Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم تبت يدا أبي لهب وتب ما أغنى عنه ماله وما كسب سيصلى نارا ذات لهب وامرأته حمالة الحطب في جيدها بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم والحمد لله رب العالمين حمد الشاكرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Dear brothers and sisters Tonight إن شاء الله will start a new surah This is surah al-masad Known as also surah al-lahab Abu Lahab this is surah number six in the order of revelation. Uh, we have done so far in the order surah al-alaq. Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq And then we did surah al-muddathir Ya ayyuh al-muddathir Then we did surah al-qalam Noon wal-qalam wa ma yasturun Then last time we finished surah al-fatiha Surah number five in the order of revelation And tonight inshallah we will do surah al-masad which is according to narration, it's a surah which was revealed right after surah Al-Fatiha. And the uh, uh, brother Malik who has just uh, read the surah, and I will go briefly on the literal translation, the words, what do the words mean, and then we will go into the uh, tafsir as we uh, usually do. The tabbat yada abi lahab, the word tabbat, it's a condemnation word. It means the hand of, Al, of Abu Lahab are losing hands. Tabbat means lose. Something is a losing or uh, it is uh, a condemnation of the person. Although when we say the yad, the hand of Abu Lahab is a loser, mean he is losing. He should be losing and he should be condemned to, uh, to something Punishable. And then Abu Lahab, we know Abu Lahab is the name or the, the uh, title for the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, whose name is Abdul Uzza. Uh, and then the last word, Tabbat Yada Abi Lahab in Watab, it's a repetition of the first word. Although the first word pertains to the hands, like the hand of Abu Lahab, Tabbat. And here, the second, Tabba, 
is pertains to Abu Lahab per se, the whole man, not only his hands. ما أغنى عنه ماله وما كسب it is his money, his wealth, and whatever he had earned will not save him from the punishment, from the condemnation uh, that Allah Azza wa Jal condemned him to. سيصلى نارا ذات لهب he will severely be punished with a hill, with, with, a, with a fire. And the word sayasla, yasla means he will feel the pain of a fire which has a flame. And I will go into that a little bit more when I go through the tafsir. There is, an, there is a, some implication of this word. وَامْرَأَتُهُ and his wife too, as well as his wife, حَمَّالَةَ الْحَطَبِ The one who used to carry the woods. فِي جِيدِهَا حَبْلٌ مِنْ مَسَدْ جِيدِهَا The jid is the neck. In her neck will be a rope made of fire. That's the surah. It's a very short surah. Uh, five ayat. Uh, one of the shortest surahs. Uh, it's concise, up to the point, dedicated completely, totally to this person who is known to be Abu Lahab. So what is this about? I mean, condemning a person in name. Now remember, in the previous surahs, except for Surah Al-Fatiha, in each and every surah, there was a target. One of the elites of Mecca, there was one of these elites as target. Surah Al-Alaq, Abu Jahl was a target, where Allah Azza wa Jal in the ayah uh, uh, talks about him as a tyrant. A person may, be, may become a tyrant. He, he practices tyranny, talking about Abu Jahl. In Surah Al-Muddathir, he talked about Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, when he said, ذَرْنِي وَمَنْ خَلَقْتُ وَجَعَلْتُ وَجَعَلْتُ لَهُ مَالًا مَمْدُودًا ثُمَّ يَطْمَعُ أَنْ أَزِيدٌ I will deal with the one person, the one who has lots of money and wealth and power and children and I will definitely deal with him. And the Quran talks about him more. Condemned for in a death that he will, he, he will die or he will be killed or he will be persecuted in the manner for the very reason that he made this type of decisions against Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was attacking and slandering the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In Surah Al-Qalam also, Allah azza wa jal talked again about Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira per se, but does not use his name. The, the name of Al-Walid is not used. Then he says, وَلَا تُطَعْ كُلَّ حَلَّافٍ مَّهِينٍ He called them Hallaf, Mahin, Hammaz, Masha' bin Amin, Manna'al al-Khair. He called them all the, those nine names which we talked about them in Surah Al-Qalam. He swears a lot, he's humiliated, he's a, a person, he's a low person. Uh, he causes fitna, he talks about people in their back. Uh, he creates all types of uh, troubles between people. Utul, um, uh, he's a terrible person. Uh, and then Zanim, he's son of, son of a whore, he's not legal son, and so on. In Surah Al-Qalam, there was this specific uh, about Al-Walid bin Mughira. In Surah Al-Muzzammil, also, Allah Azza wa Jal talks about the, the deniers, those who deny Islam. So all of these surahs, they did address a certain category of people. A certain, and that category of people, this is the category 
of the elites. Elites means leaders. The leaders of Mecca. Now, what this tells us is that as soon as Muhammad wasallam started his da'wah, the mission of Islam began, he started propagating Islam, giving the people the message of Islam that Allah is the one and only God. He is the creator. He is the one who stands behind the universe. That Muhammad, peace be upon him, is a messenger. That the Quran is the word of Allah. And he started giving this. Immediately, a struggle was initiated in Mecca. There was two sides. There, there was polarization, if you will. On one side, on one side, there is the kuffar and their uh, uh, aggression against Islam and their determination to stop Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and not to give him the opportunity and the right to convey his message. On the other side was Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the few people who believed in him, including his wife Khadija alayhi salam, including Ali bin Abi Talib, including Abu Bakr radiyallahu an, and later on came Umar bin Khattab. But those were oppressed, weak people. They don't have enough power. So that is the situation. On one side, there is Quraysh, which has not accepted Islam, led by a group of people who are elites, powerful, strong, they have money, they have wealth, as Allah Azza wa Jal described that in, in, in the uh, Surah Al-Muddathir, ذَرْنِي وَمَنْ خَلَقْتُ وَحِيدًا وَجَعَلْتُ لَهُ مَالًا مَمْدُودًا وَبَنِينَ شُهُودًا I have given him lots of money, مَالًا مَمْدُودًا مَالًا مَمْدُودًا means wealth that's extended beyond his uh, beyond the reach of people it's too much wealth and he has so many kids so many children which is a sign of power so this is the case now abu jahl abu jahl one of those elites those who used to stand up in the in the uh, clubs of mecca saying that oh let me see this man muhammad peace be upon him sallallahu alaihi wasallam whenever he comes to this to the vicinity of the Kaaba, I will step on his neck with my shoe. Using my foot, I will put it on top of his neck. That's how 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 tyranny uh, or how tyrants these people were. Now, not only that, the Quran depicts the story. Now, the story again. Let me just draw the image. It's a struggle. It is a struggle on one side wants to convey a message, the other side doesn't want to con- that message to, to, to prevail. There is this type of struggle. But this struggle from Muhammad wasallam part is only a struggle of idea. Muhammad is not fighting. He doesn't, he doesn't have the permission to fight. He is weak. His people are weak. He doesn't have any power. On the other side, the society of Mecca is oppressive. It's aggressive. And it's led by elites who are trying all they can in order to stop Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they use all types of power. They use every means to stop Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and as I uh, uh, wanted to say, the Quran depicts this in general in Surah Sad later on, which comes later in the revelation, but still in Mecca, where uh, he, Allah azza wa jal draws this image. وَانْطَلَقَ الْمَلَى وَانْطَلَقَ الْمَلْءُ مِنْهُمْ The Mala' Al-Mala' are the chiefs. Just like today, the king, the president, the ministers, the intelligence, the police, Al-Mala', the ones who, who have power. And in Shu, they were telling the people, their people, which is the people who were listening to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and in Shu, leave, get out, don't listen. وَاصْبِرُوا عَلَىٰ آلِهَتِكُمْ Continue to worship your own gods. 
إِنَّ هَذَا لَشَيْءٌ يُرَادٍ what Muhammad, peace be upon him, is trying to do, he wants to convey a certain message, he wants to penetrate your minds and your hearts, so just get out, just leave. Al-Mala, the people of power, like uh, Abu Jahl, like Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, like Abu Sufyan, like Akhnas bin Shuraiq, and in this surah, Abu Lahab. Now this surah is devoted totally to one of these elites. So one of these powerful people is Abu Lahab, Abdul Uzza, and Allah Azza wa Jal devotes an entire surah for him, saying that this man, I will show him, I will take care of him. Now remember, in the previous surahs, Allah Azza wa Jal did explicitly, explicitly say, "Dharni wal mukaddibin, let me deal with those. Dharni wal mukaddibin aulin nama, Dharni wa mar khalaqtu wahida, let me deal with them. I will step in and do whatever it takes to." end the struggle or to finish the struggle for the sake or for the benefit of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now what this means is that Muhammad peace be upon him, if you look at the situation, here he has his uncle Abdul Uzza Abu Lahab is leading a group of people, in fact leading a big portion in Mecca in order to stop Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Abu Lahab Besides being elite, besides being powerful, he is the uncle of Muhammad, peace be upon him. So this type of family relationship, meaning that as a prophet, as messenger, as someone who's conveying the da'wah, there are certain obstacles, there are certain issues that could hinder his way of conveying the message. Number one, a person can be so powerful, so elite, so strong, that he can stop you, like Abu Jahl. Not only that, this person can be powerful, can be with wealth, can be with power, and on top of that, you have a family relationship. So all of these issues make it so difficult for someone to, to, to lead the struggle. Now remember, the struggle is a struggle of ideas. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam being condemned by them. They slander him. They talk bad about him. They try to do everything possible to stop him. What can he do? Now, Allah azza wa jal, in the Quran, reveals a surah, says, okay, this Abu Lahab, who is the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, now Allah is talking against him. Allah is taking this initiative, this issue, uh, 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 on his own, with his power, with his uh, uh, majesty, with his strength, with his azama, as Allah azza wa jal, saying, I will deal with this person. I will step in with a surah in the Quran, to be read, to be recited, that people will worship Allah Azza wa Jal by condemning this man called Abu Lahab. And then he says, Tabbat yada Abi Lahab watab. Now, again, what does Abu Lahab was doing? Besides him being an uncle and a, a chief, he was, according to narrations, or in Ibn Kathir and Al-Tabari and many other places, that this man was not only trying to to say that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam to prevent him from giving the da'wah in Mecca. But every time the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would go outside Mecca, would go outside the, 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 the skirts or the scope of Mecca for places where the Arabs would come from outside the, the, the Mecca to come to, to Hajj, if you will, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would go and meet with them and talk to them about Islam. And Abu Lahab, Abu Lahab would follow the footsteps of the Prophet, wherever he goes, any house he enters, any tent he talks to, any people he meets with, immediately Abu Lahab would come 
right after him and start talking that this man that had just talked to you, he's my nephew, he's insane, he's ill, psychologically disturbed, and he's a liar, and he has this fantasy about being a prophet, so please don't listen to him and accept our apologies. So he was playing the, 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 the good man, that, oh, this young man called Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a prophet, he's approaching you, talking to you about something strange, asking you to leave your gods, and trying to split families from one another. The son believes in a god, the daughter believes in another one, the parents continue to live in, believe in idols. So this man is making fitna. And he used the word fitna. In fact, in Ibn Kathir, Ibn Kathir and Al-Tabari, they used this word that Abu Lahab used to come and say, oh, this man is creating fitna. So subhanallah, this word fitna, sometimes uh, it plays on the nerves of people, uh, especially whether it's in this country or in many other places. When you want to convey a message and to talk something, something strong, and people want to stop you, they don't want you to talk, they use this word fitna. So he is causing a fitna. So remember, this is not to compare one eye to eye, but keep it in mind that sometimes this word is used in order to deter people from listening. Because people don't like the word fitna. You know, if this man is coming to give us a talk, or he's making a fitna, I just, I will walk out. I'm not going to listen. I don't need this fitna. So that's what Abu Lahab was doing. We'll go, we'll walk to the people and tell them this man, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is causing a fitna. Causing people to, to be disturbed. He wants to, uh, 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 to break the unity of the people. He does not want the people to continue to live in harmony the way they have been living. So please do not listen to him. And Abu Lahab, he did that from day one of Islam. From the first time Muhammad wasallam received the revelation, from the first time he announced, not to the entire community, but to his own close people. Remember Allah Azza wa Jal, he asked Muhammad wasallam at some point to only gather his Bani Hashim, his relatives and tell them about this deen that he has talk to your closest people to the people who are close to you and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of course he receives order from Allah he wants to do it so he makes food he calls people for for some food he invites them his own relatives uncles cousins, and so on. And he wants to talk to them. Now Abu Lahab, he knows what is going on. He has already heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He knew that he wants to talk about this new religion. So the moment the people gather, Abu Lahab starts talking and doesn't finish. Continues talking, 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 and slandering, and making big fuss, big noise. What they call it in this country, filibuster. That's in the, in the Congress. That's the term when, when they want to defeat a, a, a law or a rule. So they, let's say the Republicans have a bill and they want to pass it. So the Democrats say we are not going to allow them. So they make this continuous talk.
talk on the on the on the on, on the floor. Official talk, everybody raise their hand, start talking, talking. When he finishes, the second one starts until the time is over. And they continue doing that for days or weeks or months. They call it filibuster. So that the, the bill will never go to voting. That's a term which they use it here. Abu Lahab used that same concept. He used that same concept. Abu Lahab buster, call it, instead of filibuster. It's Abu Lahab buster. So Abu Lahab now comes to the First meeting starts talking, 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 and the Prophet ﷺ realizes that time is people got bored, they are uh, tired of this, they are not going to listen, so he calls it off. People eat and then leave. Day number one, the Prophet ﷺ does it the second day, invites the people, Abu Lahab makes the same thing. Third day, third time, the Prophet ﷺ invites the people, and as soon as people start arriving, the Prophet ﷺ takes the floor and talks. So doesn't allow, does not allow Abu Lahab to, uh, to bust the, the, the meeting. And he tells them that, what do you know about me? How do you know me among you? Oh, you are Muhammad, you are the Sadiq, you are the Amin, you are the truthful, we know you. Uh, what if I tell you that beyond this mountain of Mecca, these mountains, there is uh, an enemy or people army is going to attack you. Would you would you believe me? This, of course, we have never uh, seen you lying or heard you lying. You are the truthful guy. Whatever you say. Then he says, if that's the case, then I am telling you what I see in front of my eyes. What I see, there will be a severe punishment from God, from Allah, if you don't believe in Him. And there is a, uh, there is a big reward for whoever believes him. بين يدي من الله عز وجل جنات النعيم أو عذاب الجحيم. In in front of me from Allah عز وجل, this is what I have come to tell you about this, the fact that there is Allah عز وجل, this God, the Creator, who will reward people who worship Him and who will punish people who disobey. It's very simple. Then Abu Lahab stands up immediately. He says, تبا لك ألي هذا جمعت جمعتنا تبا لك wow to you like hell to you uh, condemnation be to you this is a losing case tabbat it's it's an insult it's an insult tabban laka insult to you slander to you uh, damned you to muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is this what you gathered us for this is ridiculous so he was ridiculing the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he asked the people to leave he started saying leave just go just go and that's what allah azza wa jalla talked about Later in Surah Sad, when he says, "Animshu, imshu, leave, go," and I, I still remember sometimes when I used to give speeches some places, and and uh, just try to talk to some people. Then some people from the so-called authorities they would just start pushing the people out, leave, leave, don't listen to this brother, leave, just go, and that's the thing that the idea is, using your power, using your image, using your authority using the, fight, the fact that people respect you or fear you or think you are something, then trying to say, okay, now do not listen to this man. Just leave. That's what Abu Lahab did. He said, Tabban lak, ya Muhammad, damn you. Is this what you gathered us for? Let's get out from here. And he started pushing the people away from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, with this, Allah Azza wa Jal is 
revealing this surah using the same word. It's not Muhammad now. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the, is the person in Mecca who is known with the cleanest tongue. The clean, absolutely clean tongue. Pure man. He's absolutely pure. Absolutely clean. His tongue even would not allow him to, to mention any word of, of slander. He wouldn't do that. And that's not what the people expect from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What would he say to Abu Lahab? How would he respond to this type of, of lousy man, this, this uh, idiot, if you will, in Mecca? How, what type of, of things he is going to say against him? So Allah Azza wa Jal brings this surah, Allah is now saying, not Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tabbat yada Abi Lahab. It's yada, the hands of Abu Lahab are the ones that are losing. The tabbat is for Abu Lahab himself, not for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Tabbat yada Abi Lahab. And this is Allah who is talking. Now, in fact, Abu Bakr narrates, radiallahu anhu, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, he says, I am sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the vicinity of the Kaaba, right after this surah was revealed. And then comes Ummu Jamil, the wife of Abu Lahab. Now, wife Abu Lahab had her own share in this surah. So, the wife of Abu Lahab, Ummu Jamil, she hears this surah, somebody tells her this Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is making the following claim. Now it's not Muhammad, it's Allah Azza wa Jal, but they, that's how they, they convey it. So she comes looking for Muhammad all over, and she knew somebody told her he is in the vicinity of the Kaaba. So Abu Bakr narrates, says, I am talking to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and I tell him, this woman is coming, and she looks and acts like evil. She is coming with all evil in her eyes. She is seeking to harm you, Ya Rasulullah. What would you want us to do? So Abu Bakr, see this woman is approaching. She's full of guilt, full of, of filth, if you will, uh, and anger. So Abu Bakr is a little bit concerned. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells him, don't worry, Ya Abu Bakr, inna Allah ma'i. Allah is with me, she will not be able to see me. Allah will protect me. This is the dialogue goes between Abu Bakr and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, Ummu Jameel approaches, she, she sees Abu Bakr. She doesn't see Muhammad. She asks Abu Bakr, where is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? And Abu Bakr asks her, look for him. He doesn't say he is here or he is not there. So he, he, so he realizes that she doesn't see him. Then she asks, is it true that your friend had condemned us? لَقَدْ هَجَانَا صَاحِبُكَ Hajana, haja, means he talked badly about us. Abu Bakr says, La warabbil ka'bah. By the Rabb, I swear by with the Rabb of this house, he didn't, he did not do that. Now, now Abu Bakr, he means what he says. He's not Allah, he's not lying. It's not Muhammad who said it because she asked, did Muhammad make this condemnation? Hajana Muhammad. Then the Prophet Abu Bakr says, no, he did not do it. Now she did not ask him if Allah did it or not. She doesn't believe in Allah anyway. So he doesn't volunteer the information. He says, no, by Allah that did not happen. Meaning that the Prophet ﷺ did not do it. So it's very interesting. Now Abu Bakr wants to protect Muhammad ﷺ, of course. He doesn't want to give this uh, ugly woman the, the, the benefit of trying to, 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 to pursue 
the Prophet ﷺ. But nevertheless, he's saying the truth. That this hijah or this condemnation or this slander is not from Muhammad ﷺ, it's from Allah. Allah is the one who took care of that. So meaning now, going back to the, to the point which I started, the struggle is so fierce. And the struggle is war of ideas. And the tools for this idea, ideological or intellectual warfare is the tongue. Or is the talking. Or is the writing. Like, Nur wal qalam wa It's either what you write or what you say. That's what you do with the, with, the, with the struggle. You don't fight, you don't throw stones, you don't kill, you don't uh, uh, get in material struggle. So this is ideas. Those are war of ideas. Now, part of the war of ideas, you have to say something, and you have to stand up to elites. But the elites are too powerful. The elites are too powerful. Abu Lahab is too powerful. Abu Jahl is too powerful. Al-Walid is too powerful. Al-Akhnas is too powerful. So Allah Azza wa Jal now, He is the one who is taking this struggle to its limit. So He is using those words. It's Allah Azza wa Jal who used the word against Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, calling him Zanim. Zanim ibn Haram. He is son of a whore. He is son of a zina. He is a bastard. He is son of a woodlock. That's a name the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would not say, but Allah azza wa jal did, and now it's in the Quran. Now we recite it as part of the Quran. Abu Lahab, he's an elite, he's an uncle of the Prophet, he's a strong man. His wife is an evil woman. So there is all types of things that could would happen. Now Allah azza wa jal takes this initiative, takes it to the limit, and say, "Tabbat yada Abi Lahab." The, the hands of Abu Lahab are to be cursed. Cursed be to Abu Lahab. Tabbat yada Abi Lahab. So the struggle now is being taken by Allah Azza wa Jal against the elites. And that's what, when we say intellectual struggle, the, the, the struggle of ideas, of thoughts, the limits, there are no so-called no red lines. And quite often in many places they say, you know what, if you are talking seriously about the elites who try to stop the da'wah, there is a red line. Don't pass the red lines. Like a king of Saudi Arabia. That's a, that's a red line. You don't cross the king. Talk anything beyond, below the king. In Jordan, talk below the king. In America, talk below the president. In Islam here, Allah Azza wa Jal, He broke all of these red lines. All of these red lines are broken. There is nothing called a red line. Someone who stands against the da'wah, make sure that you target the the, the ones who sponsor that issue. It's not the little guys, the ones who don't believe in Allah Azza wa Jal, but the ones who sponsor this attack and this aggression against Islam, those are the ones who need to be nailed down. And Allah Azza wa Jal takes care of that. Tabbat yada Abi Lahabin wa tab. That's curse be to Abu Lahab, to his hands and to him per se. Not only that, Abu Lahab now, when he hears this, he says, Aha, this man he wants to nail me down with my own money, with my own wealth, even in this hillfire that Muhammad wasallam is talking about, I will be able to bribe, give a bribe, for those who, those who throw people in hell, and with my money I will bribe them, and they will put me in the Jannah. I am wealthy enough, I'm wealthy enough to buy anything, including my safety, 
So let Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam don't even think about being able to nail me down. I have enough wealth. I have enough wealth. Now here comes this very short ayah. مَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُ مَالُهُ وَمَا كَسَبُ And it can be read in two tones. One tone is a question. مَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُ What would what would his wealth do for him? Or it says مَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُ Meaning that his wealth will do nothing for him. So it's either in a questioning term, the way this is read in Arabic, مَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُ مَالُهُ وَمَا كَسَبُ What would, like مَا is what? What would? It's a question. Or مَا أَغْنَى It will not. There's a difference between these two. It's either way, it's called مَا النَّافِيَة The one that negates the fact that his wealth can do anything for him, which is true. Or it's a questioning that who in the world do you think you are? What do you think your money can do for you? Or whatever you earn. And here Allah Azza wa Jal is putting this for those who know the Arabic. مَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُ مَالُهُ Mal is wealth. وَمَا كَسَبْ كَسَبْ is the earning. And the earning is not only wealth. In the Quran, the word kasb quite often is used with the earning of sins. Like, بَلَا مَنْ كَسَبَ سَيِّئَةً وَأَحَاطَتْ بِهِ خَطِيئَةٌ With kasb, you earn a sayya, a sin. You earn guilt. You earn something bad. So, the word kasb, quite often in the Quran has been used in the issue, in, the, in, the, in, in regard of earning something bad. Earning some sins. Earning bad deeds, if you will. So here Allah Azza wa Jalla saying, all the deeds, especially the bad ones that Abu Lahab had earned, including condemning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and insulting the Prophet, peace be upon him, and cursing him and cursing Islam and, and all of these things, that's his earnings and his wealth that he had earned will do nothing for him. Will not save him from hellfire. Will not do anything for him. Ma agna. Agna means does not save you. Does not make you independent. Does not make you self-sufficient. Does not make you with absolute, uh, in absolute uh, seclusion of what is happening to you. Ma agna anhu maluhu wa ma kasab. Whatever he had earned, including the condemnation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and cursing and insulting him, and whatever money or wealth he has, no matter what, compared to the wealth of Allah Azza wa Jal. Now note here, if we were talking about wealth and power, there is no comparison between the wealth of Abu Lahab and his power, and the wealth of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and his power. There is those power and wealth of the kuffar is way beyond what the wealth and the power of the Muslims. Especially those who are carrying the da'wah, especially Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the sahaba, and especially us today. When we talk about our wealth and power compared to the power of the, of the US intelligence, the CIA, the FBI, the uh, MI6, the French intelligence, the, the NATO, the Security Council, it's nothing. You, you, you don't have any, any power. But when you compare that to Allah Azza wa Jal, to what Allah Azza wa Jal, what they have is nothing. And that is the beauty of the struggle. That's the beauty of our struggle. That's the beauty of these ayat being revealed at the time when the Muslims used to feel oppressed and weakened. 
That's the strength of these ayat. Is Allah Azza wa Jal is taking the side. So he's, put, he's putting you, the Muslims, the da'wah career, on the side of Allah Azza wa Jal. And once you are on the side of Allah Azza wa Jal, then, then the comparison is in your favor. Then the wealth of Abu Lahab is useless. Then his earning is useless. Then the wealth of Abu Jahl is useless. Remember when we talked about that, a person, he feels tyranny, he can become tyrant when he thinks he has enough and, and plenty of wealth. He has too much money, just like going about the wealth. Uh, recently just mentioned that Bashar al-Assad, he is gaining $5 billion from the United States, that's what WikiLeaks have, have just uh, leaked. Uh, and he got $1 billion from, uh, from Iran. So the billion, billions of dollars which are pouring into Bashar compared to what the revolutionary, the revolutionary people on the ground is, is way beyond what we can afford. It's too much. But Allah Azza wa Jal is now saying, ما أغنى عنه ماله وما كسب Whatever money Bashar has and whatever earning he gets from the United States or from Iran or from Russia will not save him. سَيَصْلَى نَارًا ذَاتَ لَهَبْ No matter how much wealth or power he has, سَيَصْلَى نَارًا ذَاتَ لَهَبْ And that's a very beautiful ayah here. And it defies many people who talk about metaphor. You know, quite often you've heard people saying, you know, Al-Jannah and Jahannam are metaphoric. Like Jahannam, the hellfire, is talking about pain and suffering, but it's not real fire. And the Jannah talks about some uh, goodness or something nice, but it's not real. And there are people who uh, spoke about these uh, issues, and then they, uh, in fact, they start claiming that, oh, in the Quran, it doesn't anywhere specifically say it's real, and everything can be imaginary or can be metaphoric. Now this ayah, one of the earliest Ayat revealed, this is the surah number 6 as we mentioned, and this is a talk about nar, about a fire, and Allah says, سَيَصْلَى نَارًا ذَاتَ لَهَبٍ يَصْلَى الصَّلِي Whenever your hand touches something hot, like this, this is called sali. Sala means you feel, you feel the heat of fire, the, the heat of fire. So that's what as-salam And then he's saying, he will feel the heat of a fire with a flame. Sayasla, he will get burned, he will get burned with a fire with a flame. Now when he talks a fire with a flame, it's no longer metaphor. It's no longer metaphor. So those who claim there is metaphor, al-majaz, they talk about majaz means, oh this is uh, nar, you just some because in fact they keep saying don't you see the poets when they talk about the the uh, the fire of love or the fire of being uh, uh, away from your beloved especially if you read Iqbal or you read Chauqi or you read any of these poets they talk about the fire of emotions so emotions are fiery and therefore fire can be any of these okay that's fine that's fine, that's what how poets talk about, and that's in, in literature, it's applicable. But when you say, I am being burned 
by a fire with a flame is different than saying I am burned with the fire of uh, of love or ishq or uh, uh, being apart from my from my people. Okay, so that's the notion here that Allah Azza wa is putting this right early in this whole issue of revelation just to cut the road to make to to to, to make this all this path of the people who try to make these things metaphoric and not real. He says, no, this is a fire with a flame. A fire with a flame is not a fire of emotion. It has a flame, and it's a fire that can burn. And it's burned with the word yasla. There is a difference between yahtariq, I'm burning with a fire, or yasla nar. Yasla means it's touching a skin. That's when the word salah means, salah means the skin is being touched with a fire that has a flame, so it's a real fire. So it's not metaphoric. So all of this about Jahannam and, and Jannah is not metaphoric, it's real. And the Quran is uh, punctual about these issues and those notions about the reality of this fire and this uh, Jahannam and this uh, uh, Jannah are real in the Quran and there are indications in many places. This is one of them in the very early revelation. Sayasla naran lahab. He is going to to be burned and to be touched literally with a fire that has a flame. And the fire that has a flame is the fire that we know is a fire. It's not any metaphoric fire. There is no fire that has a flame except the fire that we know that burns with wood or with gas or with oil or with any type of energy, but it's a burning. It's not it's not the laser, if you will, which has heat. It's not anything that has heat. It is not anything that boils. It's not the sun. It's not any of these. It's a fire that has a flame. So that is a reality of what is being prepared on the day of judgment for people who, the, uh, like Abu Lahab, Abu Jahl, Al-Akhnas bin Shuraikh, like the presidents, the kings, and the leaders of today's world, the same elites who are on the same style. So that's the part about Abu Lahab. So Abu Lahab, he deserved this condemnation, deserved this insult, deserved this curse, deserved this attack from Allah Azza wa because of what he did to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because of the position he takes upon his shoulder to stand and to stop to stand against the da'wah and to stop the propagation of the da'wah of Islam. So he deserves that. And anyone who's in the shoe of Abu Lahab, anyone who takes upon his shoulder, like today, the world take upon their shoulder some leaders in France, in Britain, in America, in Russia, in China, in Egypt, in Syria, in many places, in Jordan, in Saudi Arabia, they take upon their shoulders, we will not allow the propagation of Islam and the, and the and the dominance of the Islamic rule and the Sharia of Islam, we will not allow that. We are willing to fight whoever and wherever that person is who is willing or who is capable of putting this Islam into practice. We will fight that. Those are who are on the shoes of Abu Lahab and those who deserve the same condemnation like that. Like Abu Lahab. Now, one more thing before I go into the wife of Abu Lahab and what she did. Now, this surah, we read this sometimes, you know, you are praying your maghrib, and you want to read a short surah and finish. You read, And you are done. Nothing happens. Anyone who listens to you appreciates that. This is surah, it's from the Quran. 
Now, imagine this surah now is revealed in Mecca. And the Sahaba, the Muslims, they pray to Allah Azza wa Jal. And part of the prayer is to read the Quran. And someone, now Abu Bakr radiallahu was known to read the Quran and to pray not inside his home, he goes outside his home, next to the fence of his home and pray. And he was loud. And some people complained that Abu Bakr was loud in his prayer. So the, Allah Azza wa revealed the surah for him that you don't have to be very loud and you don't have to be low. Just read enough, loud enough so people can hear you. It's okay, people will hear. You don't have to shout with it. And some people like Abdullah bin Mas'ud and the Sahaba, they would say whenever they would be talking among each other, they say, let's go and read something that would anger these kuffar guys. What is it that they're reading? Somebody in the vicinity of the Kaaba is worshipping Allah. Look, you worship Allah by saying, Tabbat yada abi lahabi watab. This is how I worship Allah by saying, curse to this man who is Abu Lahab. What could be stronger means of political struggle than that? Now today, today this is equivalent, equivalent to, I am worshipping my God, Allah Azza wa It's part of my worship when I curse or I make a condemnation to a highest level of elite in a society. Like the president, like the king. When you say, Tabbat yada, the king of Jordan. Tabbat yada, the king of Saudi Arabia. Tabbat yada, that person. That is powerful. Now we don't do that. We don't do that because we are afraid, we are scared, we don't, we don't think that is needed. But just imagine now, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu reading Tabbat yada Abi Rahbi wa Tab, and his neighbor is Abu Lahab. And his neighbor, his neighbor are people who love Abu Lahab. His neighbors are the Shabiha, if you will, like the Syrian Shabiha. His neighbors are people who adore Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira. Imagine you are reading, you are praying to Allah Azza wa Jal, and you're saying, وَلَا تُطَعَ كُلَّ حَلَّافٍ مَّهِينٍ هَمَّازٍ مَّشَّائٍ بِنَمِيمٍ مَّنَّا عِنْدِ الْخَيْرِ مُعْتَدٍ أَثِيمٍ عُتُلٍ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ الزَّنِيمٍ About Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira. You are talking, saying, you are worshipping Allah by saying, this man, he is Zanim, he is son of a Zina. It's powerful. It's, it's part of your deen. Sometimes the people, they say, oh, don't involve your deen in politics. What would be more political than Abu Bakr, or Uthman, or Ali, or Khadija, or Sumayya, or Yasir, or Ammar, or Musab, I'm naming the Sahaba who were Muslims at the time, what would be more political than them saying, Tabbat yada abi lahabi wa tab, ma aghna anhu ma luhu wa ma kasab, siyasla naran, that lahab, he will be condemned to hell fire. What could be more political than that? This is the Quran talking. And you are telling me, Oh brother, you are giving khutbah here, one condition. Don't bring politics into, don't talk politics. Okay, I'm not going to take politics. I will just read Tabbat Yada Abi Lahab Watab. And I will just let you know that remember, Abu Lahab was the elite of Mecca at the time when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was reading this surah. But the elite of the time today is not Abdul Uzza. There is another Abu Lahab here. There is another Abu Jahal today. And anyone 
in his right mind, cannot tell me today that the French president is not acting worse than Abu Lahab. Attacking and bragging about killing people in Mali. Anyone who can, who can challenge the fact that Bashar is not acting worse than Abu Lahab. And you tell me this surah wouldn't apply to him? This is Quran. So that is the, the, the beauty of the Quran and the beauty of the methodology of the Quran and that is how Allah Azza wa Jal was shaping the type of struggle for Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba saying, look, what stops and prevents your deen from prevailing is not a kafir here who doesn't, his mind doesn't get it. Yes, it's true, there are many people whose brain cannot get it. They are too weak, they are not thinking enough, they are not deep, it's fine. And you talk to them. But that's not the point. The point is not with the guy who doesn't get it. The point is the one who is stopping the people from getting it. That's the problem. The problem is not with people who think that, oh, maybe the Sharia is not good for us. Maybe it will not be in the best benefit of us. Maybe we cannot run a good financial system based on Islam. Maybe we cannot do a social system. Yeah, we can talk to these people. But the problem is, with those people who really understand for sure that the implementation of Islam is going to defy their own interest and not allow them to exploit the people. That's the problem. The problem is with people. The problem is really is with those people, the top elites, someone with power, who say, yeah, 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 we know if Islam comes, he will make sure that women will never be exploited. He will make sure that the riba, the banks are not going to dig deep into the pockets of the people. We know for sure that Islam can remove all of these poor and poverty. So we, the rich people, we no longer can accumulate our wealth on the expense of these poor. We will not allow that Islam to happen. That is the problem. Those are the problems. Like Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab, he is a guy, he enjoys the fact that Bani Hashim come and look for him for other reasons. Now, I will tell you one reason tomorrow in the, in, the, in the lecture which we'll talk about the social system. I will bring this example one more time. Abu Lahab, he loves that kufr society because any time a young man, a young man goes and marries a beautiful young woman, before he sleeps with her, he says, you know what, I wish you go and sleep with this man Abu Lahab because he's a powerful guy, he's elite, so our baby can be a, a baby of a sheikh, of, of, of a big guy, of someone who is, who matters. Istibda'a called. So these top elites, they, they benefit from that. They are at home, young men send their wives to, to sleep with them, and they are happy with that, so that their babies are from the elites. Why would he want Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and his Islam to prevail? Islam would come and say that's prohibited, that's not allowed. A man like Abu Sufyan at the time, where he used to control the commerce inside Mecca and outside Mecca with people come and buy, and he has two skills. He has two different skills. The ways, you know, those ways which are the kilograms, two kilograms, there's two different, one of them for sale and one for buying. If he's selling you something, 
he's put the scale that gives you less, less amount. Let's say if you are buying a ton of grain from him. That ton of grain turns out to be half ton. He sells you a half ton and he charges you for a ton, for 1,000 kilograms. And if he's buying from you, if he's buying, he has a different scale. He's buying from you, let's say, a ton of grain or dates. His scale now, he weighs two tons, double that. Mutafifin, the Quran called them mutafifin. Those were real. Those were real. Just like the banks in this country. They have always two rates. Rate for loan, giving you a loan, and rate for investing. Which is all haram, it's the riba. But it's tatfif too. So these guys, they don't like to see Islam prevail. They are the ones who are showstopper. It's not the poor guy who is being cheated twice. If he sells or buys, he's cheated either way. That guy, he would like to go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and listen to him. So these people, they stop him. They threaten him. And if he does, they beat him up like they did with Bilal. They kill him like they did with Yasser and Sumayyah. That's what they do today. That's the issue. So the Quran here directs the talk against this guy, Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab is the one who's you target. It's not those little guys here and there who don't really know what's going around them. Those are the targets. تَبَّتْ يَدَىٰ أَبِي لَهَبِ وَتَبْ مَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُ مَالُهُ وَمَا كَسَبْ سَيَصْلَىٰ نَارًا ذَاتَ لَهَبْ And you worship Allah Azza wa Jal, you make your devotion to Allah by recognizing the fact that Abu Lahab is the one to be condemned. That's part of the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's not, it's not a real worship. If we are worshiping Allah Azza wa Jal now, now, these days, and I do not recognize I do not recognize the showstoppers, that worship is not complete. If I devote myself to Allah for da'wah, I say, I carry the da'wah. I am part of this da'wah. And then I say, I don't deal. I don't have to do anything with those top elites. I'm not up there yet. When are you going to be up there yet? Surah Al-Masad was surah number six in the revelation. I hear this quite often from brothers in different Parts of the da'wah carrying. They say, oh brother, not yet. We're not ready yet for that. We talk about these issues way later. When? Later when? Surah Al-Masad came at the very early days of the da'wah. This was not 13 years later. This was not 23 years later. This was not after the Muslims were able to defeat the kuffar of Quraysh and Badr. This was not after victory. This was at the time when the Muslims were at their weakest physically, but strongest mentally. Strongest mentally. Strongest emotionally. And it was not too far ahead in the da'wah. It was early days. This is surah number 6. And that's the beauty of this approach that we are doing it based on the revelation. So that we really understand the dynamics of it. So Islam, Allah Azza wa Jal did not say, oh wait a second, let's not talk about Abu Lahab yet, it's too early. He talked about Abu Jahl in surah number one, talked about Al-Mughira in surah number two, talked uh, Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, talked about Al-Walid one more time in surah number three in surah Al-Qalam. In surah Al-Muzzammil talked about all the elites. In surah Al-Fatiha, summed up 
summed up the, the fact of the worship that Rabbul Alameen, the, the Lord of all the worlds is my Rabb, my only Rabb is Allah Azza wa Jal. None of these qualify to be my Rabb. All of these are null and void. Right at the very early days of the Dawah. Right at the very beginning. It's my Iman, either I have it or not. It's my strength of Iman, it's my Aqeedah, tells me I have to recognize who my enemies are, who are the enemies of Allah Azza wa Jal and the enemies of Islam. Tabbat yada abi lahabi wa tab, and by the same token, tabbat yada every elite in today's world. We have to inculcate that in our minds. It's insult and curse to everyone who stop, tries to stop the, the progress and the, and, the, and the prevalence of Islam and the da'wah of Islam. وَامْرَأَتُهُ حَمَّالَةَ الْحَطَبِ Comes to his wife now. Because sometimes you say, oh it's only the men who are stopping this da'wah. No. Just like men and women can be in the, in the, in the course of the da'wah. Allah Azza wa Jal makes this uh, example. ضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا امْرَأَةَ فرعون. Allah drew an example of, for the believers, the wife of Pharaoh. وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا امرأة نوح ضرب الله مثلا للذين كفروا للذين الذين آمنوا امرأة فرعون وضرب الله مثلا للذين كفروا امرأة نوح الله عز وجل دو ان اكزامبل ومن هو ارجد ورباد and that's for today's to- tomorrow's talk on the social system, how Islam talks about the, the, the position of women. Here, Allah Azza wa is showing this example of a woman, the wife of Abu Lahab, who also took it upon her shoulder to propagate all types of lies about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she was very, very evil, very filthy, and she's the one who used to Bring now who's the wife of Abu Lahab? She was the sister of Abu Sufyan, by the way. Now Abu Sufyan was nasty all the way until the conquest of Mecca. That's when he accepted Islam. But until then he was enemy. So the wife the, 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 the sister of Abu Sufyan, Ummu Jamil, the wife of Abu Lahab, used to bring all of the filth that remains after the and the, the, the inside of the camels inside of the uh, sheep after they slaughter them she throws them and blocks the door of Muhammad, the, 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 the entrance to the house of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so he wouldn't be able even to get out or to get in he has to go through the filth in one occasion in one occasion she found him was praying and, and putting his, his head on the floor and she dumped the filth on him she dumped the filth on him and his daughter, one of his daughters, was cleaning and crying, cleaning the Prophet ﷺ, the cleanest, the purest person in the world, to be treated like that from Umm Jamil, the wife of Abu Lahab. And she would brag about that, that she just did it to Muhammad ﷺ. And so Allah Azza wa Jal, here he devotes portion of this ayah, the two ayah, the last two ayat, وَمْرَأَتُهُ The wife of Abu Lahab, حَمَّالَةَ الْحَطَبِ And in Arabic say حَمَّالَةَ means I mean the one who carries the wood. 
she used to carry the wood, al-hatab, hatab means wood. And it means the wood, the hard wood, and also it means the thorny woods, things with just thorns. So she would bring all of these woods, and she carries it all the way from the mountain, on her neck, only to bring it to the house of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so she would block him, hoping that he cannot get out of the house, so he cannot convey his dawah. So she was taking action. She was not sitting still, waiting for this man, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to come out and talk about Islam. Or she wants to stop him in this manner. So Allah Azza wa Jal says, and his wife, the one who used to carry the wood, will, now, he doesn't say that she will be touched with the fire, with the flame, but with the wording, وَمْرَأَتُهُ means, and his wife will taste the same type of punishment. The meaning, if you read this carefully, it says, Abu Lahab will touch, will be burned with this fire, with the flame, and his wife will do so, will do, will do so too. Will be, will be burned by this fire because of what she has done. And the last ayah, في جيدها حبل من مسد, that's another uh, 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 interesting portion here she used to have a golden uh, necklace golden with all types of diamonds very expensive what she would say she would say even if I have to sell my necklace and get some money so that I can fight the da'wah of this man called Muhammad now she used to call him Mudhammam instead of Muhammad means the one who is praised she says, Mudhammam, the one who is being cursed. She switches the, the name of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So she says, I would sell my necklace and get the money and fight or struggle against the propagation of this da'wah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Allah azza wa jal brings this punishment from the same kind of the act. And this is quite often in the Quran. It says, this necklace that she has and she vows to use against Islam and against Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I will change that into a rope made of fire to be put in her neck. So because sometimes you say, what is this about a rope of fire? Habil min masad, it's a rope made out of fire. It's a flamey rope, if you will. It's a hot burning rope that will go into her neck. What is, why is that? Well, that's what she used to do. She used to say that I will use whatever jewelry I have wearing around my neck in order to fight the growth and the, and the, and the propagation of the da'wah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Allah says, that lady will taste the severe punishment of the same kind, of the same type. A rope made of hellfire, made of fire, will be tied around her neck and let that burn her. Let that be her punishment. So the person who was assisting Abu Lahab and helping him in this in this work against Islam, Allah Azza wa Jal, he vows in this surah that he will punish them. Last word on this surah, which is very common, you've heard it probably in many other places. This is the only the only place in the Quran where a name, a specific name, a specific person by name. Now, in many other places, 
there is implication. Al-Walid bin Mughira was implied. Abu Jahl was implied, but was not called. Abu Lahab here is by name. And Allah Azza wa Jal, by name, with his name, he says, he will be punished in hellfire. Implying, implying that this person will never convert into Islam. Imagine if the ayah was revealed on Abu Sufyan. Now Abu Sufyan accepted Islam later on. Then people would say, okay, what is going to happen? This man is a Muslim now. Why is he condemned to hellfire? And Islam removes whatever sins, previous sins. Once you accept an Islam, خلاص, you are a Muslim. So if this was revealed for Abu Sufyan, and Abu Sufyan accepted Islam, then there is some, some fallacy here, something wrong. Now Abu Lahab was condemned in the very early days of Dawah. Very early days. As we mentioned, this is Surah number 6. We are still in the first few, very short period of time, maybe less than a year, maybe a few months, maybe a few weeks. We don't know the time, but it's still the very early days. And Abu Lahab is immediately called upon and he's picked out. He says, this man and his wife, they will not, they will never accept Islam. They will go to hellfire. All it took from a man like Abu Lahab or his wife, say, okay, Muhammad, we are going to accept, to make shahada, la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, and there goes your deen. There goes the deen of the Quran. So, what this means is the one who is saying this, the one who is making the statement, must be with absolute confidence and absolute knowledge and absolute certainty that nothing will go against what he is saying. And of course, Muhammad cannot do that. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam couldn't have done that. Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam couldn't have done, couldn't have known who is going to accept Islam or not. If it was up to Muhammad, peace be upon him, to say that, then he probably would have, he, he could have chosen Abu Sufyan. He could have chosen many of the other Muslims, like Ikrimah, who was also tough, the son of Abu Jahl. And then he accepted Islam later. He could have chosen Hind, bint Utbah, the wife of Abu Sufyan, who was so cruel, just like Ummu Jamil. But did not. So this could not be from Muhammad. So the fact that someone talks about ghayb, and the ghayb in this case is the one that extends beyond this life. It's not only for a year or two years or a hundred years. That extends all the way to the hereafter. He says he will be in hellfire. The one and only one who can do that is the one who knows who is going to end up in Jannah or Jahannam. And that's Allah Azza wa Jal. So that in itself, that in itself talks about this type of the strength of the Qur'an, the power of the Qur'an, the power of the one who is talking. And the, 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 the knowledge, the absolute knowledge. And that definitely cannot be the, the uh, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It has to be from Allah azza wa jal. And I would stop right here and finish this surah. Inshallah, jazakumullahu khairan. And we'll open the floor. If you have any questions, any comments, we can entertain. Yes. Can you uh, talk about what happened to Abu Lahab 
Uh, after the, the surah was revealed, is there an, an incident happened with him? Or? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Abu Lahab, it's narrated that he, the way he, uh, he died, he died after the battle of Badr. Now, uh, uh, interesting, uh, Abu Lahab, despite all of this, his uh, macho type of image, he was coward. He was known to be coward. He doesn't like the fight. So he did not go to Badr. And he was afraid he was afraid that the way Allah talked about him in the Quran that he may be killed or tortured or something. So he avoided confrontation with the Prophet ﷺ after migration. So he stayed in Mecca and when he uh, uh, received the news about the defeat and about the, uh, especially the, kill, the, the killing of the uh, uh, Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira and, uh, and uh, Utbah and their sons, he exploded from within. They say his, his brain couldn't handle it and he just, uh, he had this stroke and he, uh, and he died. So he was not killed in a battle front. He's, uh, uh, he died at the news of, at the arrival of the news from, uh, from Mecca. Whereas Al-Walid, he was killed in Badr. Where Allah Azza wa Jal says, قُتِلَ Now, فَكَّرَ وَقَدَّرْ فَقُتِلَ كَيْفَ قَدَّرْ ثُمَّ قُتِلَ كَيْفَ قَدَّرْ Being killed twice. And his wife, I don't know, I have no information. Uh, I think uh, one of the narrations, one of the stories says that she... Uh, the way she died is she she slipped she she slipped over from the mountain while she was uh, bringing the woods and then the woods were tied around her neck so she flipped over and she was hung with her own with her own rope i think that's the uh, what the story says about the uh, umu jamil or the the wife of abu lahab yes I heard another narration that Abulab died because of leprosy and he was in such a dire state that nobody, even his son, would not touch him. So basically when he died, they dig a hole and basically ask somebody to actually push him into the hole. Pushing him into? Into the hole basically so that he would go. Because because of leprosy, nobody wanted to come more close to him. I see. So it was basically that even during in this life, his wealth could not help him. His sons abandoned him. Okay, Zakallah. Yes. You have drawn a comparison between the elites of that time and today. But there is a perception, you know, that for example the king of Saudi Arabia, that they do something good for Islam, with the title Khadim and I mean, and things like that. Can you comment on this? On this perception that common people have? Well, the, uh, of course, the perception goes with propaganda, with talks, but at the end of the day, it's reality what counts. Uh, the reality uh, what counts means if the king of Saudi Arabia was to, uh, to allow Islam to prevail, then he would have he would have implemented Islam in his own uh, in his own country, and by implementing Islam, 
Remember, Islam is a collection of rules that pertain to economic, social, political uh, structure, as well as the rest of the uh, uh, the rest of the Islamic values and and rules and laws. In Saudi Arabia, the the basic economic financial systems are capitalism. Uh, they are based on uh, on riba and usury. It's it's very uh, obvious there. Uh, the uh, international relations, Saudi Arabia is uh, is an ally with the enemies of Islam. Uh, in the nationalist uh, front, Saudi Arabia is as nationalist as, in fact, as uh, as the worst of nationalism can can be. Uh, so there are many things which can be can be talked uh, about it. And the fact that there is the Hajj there, the Hajj is not due to the king of Saudi Arabia the hajj is due to the fact that Ibrahim السلام, Allah called him and build the place of the Kaaba in there so there, there is a Kaaba whether there is king of Saudi Arabia or not in fact the, the, the king or the kingdom of Saudi Arabia benefit from hajj more so than they do uh, service to it uh, and on that occasion Allah specifically said إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَجَاهَدَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ uh, It's not أَجَعَلْتُمْ uh, سِقَايَةَ الْحَجِّ وَعِمَارَةَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ كَمَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ لَا يَسْتَوُونَ Allah Azza wa Jal says Do you equate the just simply to feed the hajji, the hujjaj and give them some drink uh, to be equal to the one who believe in Allah Azza wa Jal and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and uh, make jihad in Sabilillah, they are not, they are never comparable. That's what the kuffar of Mecca at the time they used to say to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after all, why your God is condemning us? We are the ones who take care of the hajj. We are the ones who provide the food and the drink and the water every time the hujjaj come to, to al-bayt al-haram. And they had this claim. And Allah azza wa jal immediately told them, that is nonsense. The Hajj, the people are coming for Hajj simply because Allah Azza wa Jal called upon them to come for Hajj. Get out of the way and the people will still come to Hajj. So whether you are there or not, people are coming to Hajj. In fact, if you are not there, people will come to Hajj and they are more safe and more secure and they will perform their Hajj in much better way than you do, than they do now. So that those claims are absolutely uh, foundless and uh, the... Uh, it is well-known fact that all the regimes that fight the return of Islam today, whether in the Muslim world or outside the Muslim world, they are sponsored, sponsored financially by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. They are sponsored, they are paid money in order to do that. In fact, they are paid money at the request of the United States and Britain to suppress Islam. So the Saudi Arabia, the government of Saudi Arabia, the king of Saudi Arabia, the elites of Saudi Arabia, and the Gulf, like Qatar and Emirates and so, they finance the machine that try to stop the rise of, uh, of Islam. So whether inside Saudi Arabia or outside. Yes? Just to comment on basically the financing aspect, uh, the, the French incursion in Mali, 
the French is basically asking the Gulf states to pay the bill for the French version that's going to occur and kill the Muslims. And they will. Yes. Of course, they will. They have paid bigger bills than those in the past. Yes. Yes. Uh, when did the Prophet were allowed to do dawah? When, what, what time? The Prophet ﷺ made da'wah on the first day he received the revelation. On the first day, from the time he was told, اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق And he went home to... Didn't, doesn't know what to do. And the Jibreel came and told him, يا أيها المدثر قم فأنذر Oh you who has taken cover, you are covering yourself, stand up and make the indar. And from that day, which is the immediately right after the receiving the revelation from Allah Azza wa Jal. Now, that, the method went into phases. And when he did that, he talked to Khadija, she accepted Islam, he talked to Ali radiallahu anhu, his nephew, uh, his cousin, then he talked to Abu Bakr, those were individuals. He talked to them one by one. Then Allah Azza wa Jal told them, okay, now you did tell people one by one. Now tell them as groups. So tell your, talk to your relatives as groups. Uh, so he did. Then three years later, Allah Azza wa Jal told them, now tell the society of Mecca as, address the society, not only individuals, not only groups, but the entire society. That was uh, about three years later. That was a phase in the da'wah. But the da'wah itself started immediately. So what is the condition of doing da'wah like for, uh, for Muslims? Should be like, I mean like, how much knowledge do they have to have? What method do they have to the, 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 uh, the knowledge that's for any act you want to do, you must have a knowledge about that particular act. You don't need a knowledge about everything to make one act. Let's say, if, uh, just like, uh, although it's a different example, like the prayer. In order to pray now, you have to know how to pray. You may not have to know how to pray Salatul Eid. But you have to pray, let's say, a prayer now, you have to learn. You need a knowledge on how to pray that now. You don't need a knowledge on all types of prayers, including janazah, including Eid, including in order to pray Isha. Now, in the da'wah, as far as the, the knowledge of the da'wah, uh, you need knowledge on what is it that you want to call the people to, let's say to worship Allah one, to make Allah Azza wa Jal your one and only Rabb, or one only one ruler. So you need the knowledge on that, in order to make that particular piece of da'wah. You may not need to know all the fiqh aspects of Islam, all the related issues about the details of the aqidah, so that you can make one statement. So that's in terms of knowledge of acts, you require the knowledge for the specific act you are about to do now. That's, that's a general rule. Now, more so... So you need yourself, yourself to be convinced, this conviction, convinced of your deen, of your aqidah, of your faith, of your Islam as a whole, uh, the confidence 
in the in the uh, in the in the ability of Islam to rule, the ability of Islam to be the one that uh, that's, that should be implemented. You need those convictions. If you don't have the convictions, you will not be able to convey not even a single act. So there are two things. One is your your own thought process, your own mind, your own hearts, your own emotions. You have to be settled. You have to settle on on yourself. And then once that's done, then you can move into the next step. Now moving into the next step cannot be, it's not again the uh, you as an individual. Part of that is to know that the, the da'wah, the change, the propagation of Islam needs to be done in an organized manner. It cannot be done in simply individualistic. And that, again, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he was, he was guided to that like in Surah Al-Kahf where Allah Azza wa tells him, وَاصْبِرْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ You stick to the ones with the ones, the same ones who make the da'wah to Allah Azza wa Don't be scattered. You have to do it as, as a group, as people who are carrying the da'wah together. So those things, there needs to be some, some base, of course. We are not saying that uh, you know one single issue then you proceed. From conveying perspective, conveying, yes, knowing one hadith, the Prophet sallallahu he did say that, narrate whatever you hear from me, even if it's a single hadith. Maybe the one who you bring the hadith to would be more knowledgeable or more aware or will benefit of that more than you do. Is that clear? Okay. Any other questions? Coffee time? Is there coffee downstairs? Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.